0: Welcome to the WNCT Podcast Network. there everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the people in places extra podcast i'm your host ken watlington today we're taking you outside of a small town in washington county north carolina roper to be exact and we're taking you to a church that's been in the same spot since 1853 it opened as the rehoboth methodist church in the mid 19th century and it still stands today While many buildings that age have not stood the test of time, this church still holds several services a year and other special events. And it's thanks in large part to one woman who took over the preservation effort about 15 years ago. We're going to catch up with Chris Barber, the chair of the board of the Rehoboth Church Preservation Society, to learn more not only about this historic structure and what it's taken to keep that piece of history in Washington County alive, We'll talk to her about why she's done it and what she hopes for the future. How did you end up involved in this mission?
1: It was an accident. (laughs) I retired in 2006 at the end of the year, and I started looking for something to do locally. And I lived just a few miles from here, and I realized that uh, the last group that was working with this, all of those people started in the 70s and they were mostly gone and so I found a few other people who were interested and we started in 2007 to organize and in 2008, we incorporated as a 501 c 3
0: You have no background in historic preservation?
1: None. (laughs) And I really didn't know what I was doing at all. I didn't know what I was taking on. The only thing I knew to do was to call for help from the North Carolina Department of Cultural Resources and uh, Reed Thomas, who works in the preservation office, came and did a building condition survey for us in 2007 and created this big document that told us all these things that needed to be addressed or thought about if we wanted to preserve the church. And it was pretty daunting, but anyhow, (laughs) it was kind of like our first Bible of what it is to do.
0: This church is 168 years old.
1: Yeah, so far as we know, it opened in 1853. The deed for the property was filed in Washington County uh, court's office in, eight, in July of 1850. So that's when that was done and presumably in the interim they were cutting the timber and bringing all the materials to the site. It's a one and seven eighths acre plot of ground. And uh, by 1853 it opened.
0: We're just a few hundred yards away from the Albemarle Sound and right. there's, uh, there's a reason it's probably here to get close to the Sound.
1: Probably, yeah. Uh, Initially, when people first started settling this area, back when the colony was established, people settled right along the Sound Shore. And um, they didn't go very deep. They went about a mile deep, and then they went up waterways like Hendricks Creek, which is now Mackey's Creek, and uh, the Roanoke River, the Scuppernong River. So they tended to be along this area, yes. One
0: interesting fact you told me uh, before we started is the fact that the highway people drive by highway 32 and they see the church They actually see the back of the church yes because the front of the church there's a road that's now no longer here and that's what the back of the church is faces the highway today but the front of the church is actually situated towards what used to be an old road
1: yeah and we think it was a very very old road that probably went up towards holly neck and then proceeded east towards what we think of as the pea ridge area and split went probably to the sound and then uh it continued on a path continued on towards what later became crestwell and what later became columbia so it was an old road
0: when you walk into this church you take a step back in time because yes there's electricity now and some modern amenities (laughs) but it is for the most part as it was
1: absolutely and that's what's important to know that the only amenity is electricity there is no plumbing there is no bathroom there's no facility um, and it is as it is, and if you look around, the wood is unfinished. The only painted surface of wood is the rail around the pulpit area, that is it. Everything else is plain and unadorned, uh, rough and primitive.
0: You know, you think of modern churches, you've got your sanctuary and your fellowship hall and yeah. offices and studies and this, that and the other, music rooms, and here we are, one room.
1: One room, yeah. And years ago, somebody decided to start saving things and behind you there is a, an old store cabinet and a few pieces of memorabilia were added. We don't know when that was, but somebody felt the need to say, we need to save some of this stuff because there's really no place for anything.
0: We mentioned you had no background in historic preservation when you took on this mission. You also weren't an author when you took on this mission and now you've written a book about this church.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it was out of necessity. We tried to get the word out um, so that people know what uh, this church is all about, and um, and so I just started doing a lot more research and combined my research so that um, I could tell the story not only of the church but of this area of the south shore of the Albemarle Sound and how we got to be because this church is roughly sitting at the midway point from seventeen seventeen o one till 1853 when finally this was the fourth church built uh, from the original days when they started to build uh, Anglican churches here. And then since then we're a little bit beyond the halfway mark, but this church sits at the midpoint. It's kind of a liaison or a bridge to the earliest days of the colony and to where we are today.
0: Not only is history being kept alive, the preservation aspect, but There are actual services that take place here from time to time. And I mean, that's got to be amazing to be able to come and worship in a place that Mm -hmm. uh, has been doing something like this for a century and a half or, you know, even more. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we depend on area churches to help us with that. We don't have as many services as we would like to have, but we have at least two a year, usually one in May. With COVID, it's changed things. But we also have a love feast, which was begun here in 1970, when the previous group of people began to help. Because in 1969, that was the last year, this was an active church. They were down to four members, and those people decided they could no longer continue to have a church service here. And so in 1970, some people stepped up and said, we can have services, we'll just do a few a year. And that's really what started things. And the first love feast was after Christmas, a few days after Christmas in 1970. So far as we know, there was one every year, except last year because of COVID. We will have one this Sunday, December 5th. And it will begin at five o'clock as a love feast, but at 4.30, we will have a, a string trio that will play music. The, the acoustics in this building are wonderful. So it's a really good place for musicians to play. So we're excited to have people who are, everybody donates their services. And when churches come, the Albemarle Charge of the United Methodist Church uh, will be conducting this service. All the offerings go to the Preservation Society to do projects here. And there's always something, when you have a building 168 years old, there's always something that needs work.
0: And you always need help, too.
1: Yeah, we need a lot of help. We have a board of five people uh, who make the decisions for what we're going to do, uh, and then we do have some volunteers who serve as committee chair people. But we're, we're down to we only have a 10 or 12 people that we really ha- have as our core group to do work, and there's a lot of work to do here.
0: If someone listening wants to get involved, how can they donate or how can they come out and volunteer? How do they get in touch with you?
1: Well, uh, we have a Facebook page. That is our best way to do that. It's Rehoboth Church Preservation Society. That is easy. Or people can simply contact me, uh, and I don't mind giving my phone number if that's appropriate. Uh, I'm Chris Barber. I'm Chairman of the Board of, of Directors of the Society, and my number is 252-793-5383. And uh, we are currently conducting uh, a drive to raise money for paints funds because we need to paint the exterior. It's quite costly for us because we don't have any other means of support except offerings at services, uh, donations, occasional fundraisers, like the book was a fundraiser, uh, and that's it. So we need money, and we have been been blessed with so many generous people that we're really doing well with that. But that's come through Facebook uh, and through publicity in our local newspaper, the Roanoke Beacon and through posting my phone number. You know, sometimes people call. And we've gotten help from people from far away as Ohio and Wisconsin, uh, Vermont. Uh, So it's nice to outreach. And the point that I like to make about this church is, this is part of an area of the state that is uh, the cradle of North Carolina. There are family names in this county and some of the surrounding counties Um, their descendants have moved all over the country and all over the world. But some of them will link right back to this church. And that's one of the things that's in the book is that it lists from records, members of the church, people who were married here, for who there were records kept. I'm sure there were other records that were lost. Well, that's another way to connect to people, to know uh, this was home for somebody that might've been in your family.
0: How important is it to keep the legacy alive?
1: Well, because this is the fourth church built since the first quarter of the 18th century, and it is, it is part of a legacy of faith that takes us back to a time when people, this was the biggest thing. The church was the biggest thing in the community. Don't think about clubs or Masonic lodges or anything. This was it. The people who lived here were farmers, uh, commercial fishermen, they, uh, Cut shingles, they cut timber and they split shingles. These were people who lived a very rural life, and this was the biggest thing that brought them together. There are uh, t- some of our trees are gone now, but we had trees on the property on the north, on the west corner that had rings in them where people would tie up their horses. So when people came here, they came in carts or wagons, carriages, or on horseback. And I'm sure they must have had a water trough for the animals who had come several miles to tote them. And this was what this place was all about. It was the center for people who got together and worshiped and had camp meetings and did things because there was nothing else for miles. Plymouth is about 15 miles to the west or maybe a little bit more. That was a big ride in 1855, 1860. A horseback ride, that was a long ride to go somewhere. So I think that's why it's important because we need to remember where we came from, which was what stimulated my curiosity in this place because it tells a lot of stories.
0: And you're now telling a lot of stories through your book and, and just the, the work you put in, the this blood, sweat and tears into this place.
1: Yeah, and we're lucky because we've had some core group of people who've, who've done it We have done, um, I have written several grants in order to um, help us fund some of the bigger projects. Uh, The first biggest project really was getting title to the property because we didn't own it when we got started. Technically, if anybody owned it, it was the Methodist Church. But in 2010, they sold it to us for a token fee, and that enabled me to begin writing grants. And uh, the first two grants I wrote totaled $32,000. Uh, And that is what helped us raise the church because the foundation, the brick foundation, was crumbling and some of the sills were rotting. That was the beginning. If we hadn't done that first, there was no reason to do anything else because it would have been pouring money into uh, a doomed building. So that was first. We were able to fund on our own the shutters that are on the side of the building. Um, The shutters are important because these windows, so far as we can tell, are original. They have been restored. They were restored in 2019 from another grant, but they are original and you see how huge they are. Um, they let, let in a lot of light. UV light is the danger and the damage, damaging force to this old wood. So there had been several sets of shutters on the building before, but they didn't hold up. They don't hold up forever. Uh, these are mahogany shutters. We have our fingers crossed. They're, they were added in 2012. We have our fingers crossed that they'll last a while longer, uh, very sturdy, but we keep them closed to protect the interior of the building.
0: Talk about protecting the building. Unfortunately, we're in coastal North Carolina, just a few hundred yards from the Albemarle Sound. and During hurricane season, that's not a good place to be, and this, this place, even recently, has sustained some damage from storms.
1: Yeah, and I think it was May of 2017, we had strong storms uh, the weekend before we were going to have our annual May service, and um, there were straight-line winds, and the winds came in through the top sash of a window over the stairway and blew out that sash right there. And we had to have repairs done. Uh, And it also peeled back part of the roof, the tin on the roof. Water was pouring in. It was, it was a mess, and it was kind of scary at first. But um, somebody came and pulled the tin down to stabilize it till we could get uh, a contractor to fix it. So we've been blessed with a lot of people out of the blue. When we have trouble, somebody steps up to help us. And that's really been the wonderful thing is that we don't know sometimes where things are coming from, but it works out. Yeah.
0: We talked about what people could do if they want to come out and help. What can they do if they just want to see the place and and kind of experience living history?
1: Oh, well, we give tours. I give a tour and it's up to the individual as to how much information they want to know. Um, But it's my passion. It's something that I think is important. And the more people who know about it, the better. So again, just call me, 252-793-5383. We welcome donations, but they are absolutely not required. We are just delighted if people take an interest and come to see the church and hear its story because we know it's really special. And in Roper, we are technically in Roper. This is the only historical property in Roper uh, that anybody can come to see either at a service or uh, by appointment for a tour. So we've given tours to college classes before, genealogy societies. Uh, arts councils. So, whether it's two people or a person or whether it's a group, we welcome you. The only thing we say is we don't have a bathroom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, hit up McDonald's in Plymouth before you get here. Or <laughs> yes. <laughs> is there anything we haven't touched on that you want people to know?
1: Um, we couldn't be here without the support of area churches, they have been our backbone. Uh, not only the Methodist churches. This was originally a Methodist church and when we named Rehoboth Church Preservation Society we left out Methodist because we knew that we were going to be calling on and hoping that other Christian churches would help us. And when they come and offer a service they bring the church back to life. And uh, whether it's music, we also have cultural events. We had uh, a musical program in November, we are anticipating having a quilt show in May. So we're trying, our mission is to preserve it so that Rehoboth Church remains part of not only the religious community, but the cultural and historic community. We want it to continue to be a center of activity. And the more people who know about us and have ideas or plans, the better we can serve the community.
0: And you heard Chris give out her phone number. She's really adamant about you giving her a call and going out and at least touring the historic Rehoboth Church just outside of Roper and hopefully ignite some passion much like she has for the church, and that more people will get involved in the preservation efforts, and especially younger people hopefully will take charge and lead the effort into the future and keep this piece of Washington County history alive. If you'd like to see the video portion of the People in Places feature on Rehoboth Church, go to wnct.com, click on the On Your Side tab. There you'll find the People in Places page where you can watch the video feature not only of this story, but all of the people in places I've done over the last few years. And really, when you watch this video, check out some great aerial video, drone video of the church there along the Albemarle Sound, just some breathtaking video that really puts into perspective how small this church is and how rural the area is, but it's just a beautiful place to not only live and visit, and hopefully you've gotten some information on how to do just that, to go out and check out the Rehoboth Church outside Broper, North Carolina. That is going to do it for this latest edition of the People in Places Extra podcast. Happy holidays, everyone. We'll talk to you after the new year.